Praise the Lord, everyone out there in podcast land. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods, and you have just entered another exciting episode of the Revelation Revolution. It is March 18th, 2020, and the world is facing a global pandemic called the coronavirus. COVID-19. But you know something? This was prophesied in our Bible. Pestilences like this were prophesied in our Bible. God told us in advance what was going to happen. Glory to God. But I want to let you know right now that this is just the beginning of sorrows. Don't you touch that dial. You need to stay with me in this next exciting episode of the Revelation Revolution. We are going to be breaking this down. But I must inform you that you have just joined the Revelation Revolution. you and keep you my brothers and sisters again this is Dr. Dennis James Woods with the Revelation Revolution it's so good to be with you in the midst of a very trying time in our nation's history who would have known at the beginning of the year that the world would be in the grips of a new novel virus called COVID-19 or the coronavirus that was spread throughout the globe and catch all of the nations by surprise. Who would have thought that the nation with the most powerfulest military, most robust economy, most powerfulest industrial complex, all sorts of influence and power nations around the world would be brought to their knees in September I will be 64 years old 
and I have never seen an event that closed all the churches in Chicago and in the state of Illinois and around the country that shut major corporations down that closed all the schools that brought the airlines to its knees that has wiped out all of the stock market earnings since President Donald Trump has become president. Wiped it out. A virus, novel virus, meaning new virus, COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus. Coronavirus has caused a collapsing economy, a freeze, a standstill of government and schools and commerce, theaters, NBA, baseball, soccer, knocked out all these events. But I would like to say to you, listening today, these are just the beginning of sorrows. This is merely a dress rehearsal for the things that are yet coming on this world. I know to many of you it you would say, well, why would God allow these things? Why would God permit such chaos and suffering to happen? We're actually going to be dealing with that philosophical question today along with many topics we're going to cover in this episode. But I wanted to address our listening audience because now we're up over 1900 and I imagine that by the time I release this and it goes out to the world will be well over 2,000 downloads. Glory to God. Of our podcast, Revelation Revolution. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to tell your friends and family about this broadcast. Not just to promote me, but because of the word that God has given me to give to you that is straight from the scriptures. Soon... I hope by the fall I'll have my first edition of Revelation Revolution book. It'll be out on the market. You'll be able to get it. It's a multi-series 
uh, that I'm doing. I'm trying to keep each book right at around that 100 page mark. I, I, I don't want to put everything in one book like I like I did with a previous book called Unlocking the Door to Key to Biblical Prophecy. I want to make it smaller, more palatable. But it will be out soon. But tell your friends and family about this. Help us understand. Help us get out this understanding, rather. So that Christians will be prepared for prophetic events to come. In Matthew chapter number 24, the Word of God reads. We're going to read it from the King James Version. It says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Some versions do not have end of the world, but have end of the age. And Jesus answered and said unto him, said unto them, verse number four, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled. For all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes and divers or different places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now let us go to Luke chapter 21 verses 9 and 11. This passage is echoed in Luke here. This is what the Lord says in Luke. But when ye shall hear of the wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is, the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall they be from heaven. And then in Matthew 
24 and 20, 24, 24 and 25. Let's go back to that. We're going to read this from the NIV. Then the Lord says, For false messiahs, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if it were possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. May the Lord add a blessing for the reading of his word for the edification of our souls in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. Let me ask you a question. How many times have we said If I only knew then what I knew now, how differently would I have acted? We've all said it. You know, if I had only knew then what I knew now. In other words, if I had the foresight of tomorrow, today, I would plan differently, I would act differently, I would respond differently, I would prepare differently, I would have relationships differently, I would invest Differently, I would educate differently. There's so many things that you and I would have changed and have done differently. The coronavirus and other pestilences that are going to be worse. Ladies and gentlemen, because Jesus says these are just the beginning of sorrows. As I want you to really get this in perspective. This virus has shut our nation down. Not Russia, not the Russian investigation, not the Ukrainian investigation, not North Korea, not Iran. Not little green man from outer space, but a virus that no one saw coming has brought a powerful nation to a screeching halt. And it's no need in getting mad at government. Ladies and gentlemen, when the, when the plagues and things that are going to come on this world and the coronavirus is relatively light, trust me, there's nothing that mortal men can do. It ain't no need yelling at the TV. There's no need and, and talking about what is the government going to do. This stuff is way above our heads. 
Ladies and gentlemen, let's just be real about this. It's just like Governor Cuomo in New York is saying. There ain't enough hospital beds. There's not enough masks. There's not enough test kits. What are they going to do? Test 300 million people. Do you think there's 300 million beds? Do you do you realize out of 300 million people, if 5 million people got sick, they, a lot of these people would be on the street. There's not that many hospital beds in America. Nations are very vulnerable, ladies and gentlemen. And there's all sorts of natural things that could happen. It doesn't have to be a cyber attack. It doesn't have to be an atom bomb. It could be simple as a mosquito. Something that you don't see coming. Something that your scientists cannot prepare for. That's why the coronavirus is so threatening. It is a novel virus. It's new. We don't know it. We got to study this thing first. To scientifically understand it. To try to put up. They're already saying, yeah, they will come up with a vaccine or something. A cure, blah, blah, blah. It's going to take 18 months to do. That's why they're now saying, well, this could last uh, into July. It could last into August. It could last 18 months. Oh, yeah, well. Do we actually think that mere human beings in the White House can stop something like this? These are just the beginning of sorrows. We will look back at 2020. There will come a time we look at 2020 and say these were the good old days. So, people often ask, if God is good and all powerful, why does he not stop stuff like this? <laughs> However, that question comes from mortal men who cannot fathom God nor his purposes. That question fails to understand that maybe there is an ultimate purpose for all of these things that is ultimately good. Whether we understand it or not. You see, how human beings think, we, we want to be able to fathom and understand and measure God in order for us to accept them. And what's beyond us being able to comprehend, we either, we either fear it, run away from it, or discount it. That's what we do. With God. You know something. Has anybody ever watched the program. America's Most Wanted. That's a good program. You know. It, it, it really is. All the bad guys that get caught. You know. Uh, the producer. Uh, John Walsh. You know. He doesn't actually go out and catch anybody himself. But you know. He's got this platform. Where he talks about escaped criminals puts it out to the public and do you know over 
1,200 fugitives have been caught. 17 of them on the FBI's most wanted list. Folks that the FBI couldn't catch. John Walsh's platform of just simply talking to the public and putting out an appeal and, 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 and doing uh, 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 vignettes of, of real crimes and engaging the public have netted 12 over 1200 fugitives some of them international being apprehended and brought to justice that's phenomenal <clears throat> but how many know that did not happen in a vacuum John Walsh's son Adam Walsh <clears throat> excuse me was abducted and murdered and they found the boy's headless body never did oh they I think they eventually found out who did it because he confessed to him he ended up dying because he recanted but anyway killed that boy and John Walsh was a police officer That tragedy sparked something in this man that grew into, that, that became a phenomenon known as America's Most Wanted. And he's got another program out, and I forget the name of it because it comes on CNN, another program he did. But it came out of the tragedy of his son being murdered. Look at the good that has come out of that. You see the indictment against God that since he allows evil or things to happen that it undercuts the validity and the existence of God but it does not all it simply means is that God has purposes and works in ways that men cannot comprehend nor fathom Therefore, for because men are incapable of understanding the purposes of God, we then accuse him of being weak, immoral, because we could not understand his purpose. Make no mistake about it. Evil could not exist unless God permitted it to exist. He's not looking for any excuses there. We don't, he doesn't need our help to justify the existence of evil. It exists because he permits it to exist. If God permitted it to exist, then ultimately there is a good purpose for it. Ultimately, whether humans understand it or not God declares in Isaiah 55 8 and 9 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Who do we think we are that we're going to question God? You know, it's interesting of uh, a little talk that God held with Job in the book of Job. Let me just digress here just a minute. I'm getting off a topic, but you know, this this is, uh, you know, uh, something that I, I just needed to do. You know, Job is the one who went through all of these tragedies, you know, uh, he ended up losing his kids. The devil had a conversation with God, the God and God says, have you considered my son Job, my servant Job? The devil says, yeah, he, lo- he loves you and praises you because, listen, you protect him. You got a hedge around him and you don't bless him with a lot of stuff. He says, if you take all that stuff from him, Job will curse you to your face. God said, oh, I don't know about that. Let me see. Let's see. Put him to the test. He said, this is what you can do, devil. You can do this, 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 this. He said, basically, you can't kill him. But. He let the devil kill his kids. I want you to think about that as a parent. Think of the pain that is. You losing your children. There's no deeper pain that a parent can suffer than the loss of a child. I mean, it's unfathomable. You know, know, there's, there's many of us who would say, you don't take me, don't take my kids. Job lost all of his kids. Lost all of his wealth. Lost everything. The only person that the devil didn't kill was his wife. And he left her alive so she could torment him. There's nobody that can get next to a man worse than a wife that is upset. The devil is slick. He said, no, 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 no. Joel would probably have wished one of them bolts of lightning would have called his wife but no devil smart he said no nah, we gonna leave her alive she gonna get she she gonna get on him <laughs> sorry sisters but hey you know y'all 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 got away <laughs> but my program ain't about that so let me get back on track before i start getting hate mail right okay job 38 so job you know he God, why me? And, you know, doing all this. And so God answered him. Let me just read to you some of the things that God says to him. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of a storm and he said, I'm reading from the New International Version. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you. And you shall answer me. Where were you? When I laid the earth's foundation. Tell me if you have understanding. In other words, God is saying, listen, I'll answer you, but you answer me first. You really think you have the the platform, the right, the gumption to question why I let tragedy come into your life? He said, I'll tell you what, I'll answer you, but you answer me first. Where were you? When I laid the earth's foundation, tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. 
Who stretched out the measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the sea behind doors? And when it burst forth out of the womb, when I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in thick cloudless, when I fixed the limits of it and set its doors and bars in place. I want you to think about this. I'm just being parenthetical right here. The earth is spinning, ladies and gentlemen, at a thousand miles an hour and moving through space at 64,000 miles an hour to make it around the sun one time. That's what we call a year, right? It's moving at about 64,000 miles an hour and space at a thousand miles an hour yet Lake Michigan stays where it is yet the oceans stay where they are this is what God is saying who did that what were you when I did that how did you make that happen that's what he's saying he said when I said thus far you come no further here's where your proud waves halt God say, try that on for size. Try making something that's 26,000 miles around and spinning at 1,000 miles an hour and whirling through space at 64 miles an hour that's covered with water and tell the waters to stay where they're at. He said, you try that. Where were you when I put that together? Then he says, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take take the earth by the edges and, and, and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and, and their un, un, and their upraised arm is broken have you journeyed into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep have have the gates of death been shown to you have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth tell me if you know all of this oh god is god said wait a minute i ain't through what is the way th to the abode of light and where does darkness reside can you take them out of their place do you know the paths of their dwelling surely you know for you were already born you have lived so many years have you entered into the storehouses of snow and seen the storehouses of hell which I reserve for the time of trouble in the day of war and battle what is the way to the place of where lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth or who cuts the channel of the torrents of rain and the path for the thunderstorm to water and land where no one lives in an uninhabited desert to satisfy the desolate wasteland to make sprout forth the grass does the rain have a father who fathers the drops of dew oh he just gets on him he goes on and on he says have you ever glory to God given orders to the morning glory to God now listen to this glory to God 
verse 31. He says, can you bind the chains of Pelides? Now he went out to the star constellations. God and got heavy on him. Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their season and lead out the bear with his cubs? Talking about the constellation. Do you know the laws of the heaven? Now he's talking about the laws of physics. Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds to cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, I could go on. This is this is so so deep. You know what? Job says God even talks about the animals verse 30 chapter 39 verse 1 he says do you know when the mountain goats give birth do you watch the doe bears fawn can you count the months till they bear do you know the time they give birth glory to God he just he just goes on he says, do you give the horses strength? Then it says, Job answered the Lord, says, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I will put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I had no answer twice, but I will say no more than God in his end he says brace yourself like a man I will question you and you shall answer me would you discredit my justice would you condemn me to justify yourself ladies and gentlemen man's indictment is how dare you question the existence the discretion the purposes of God Make no mistake about it. Evil could not exist unless God permitted it to exist. And if God permits it to exist, then ultimately, because he is good, there is a good purpose for it, whether we understand it or not. Glory to God. Isaiah 40 and 12 through 17, New International, uh, New American Standard Bible. This is what it says. Who has measured the waters of the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by measure and weighed the mountains in the balance and the hills in the pair of scales? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or, or as his counselor has informed him? 
With whom did he consult? Who gave him understanding? Who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop of a bucket. They are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor the beast enough to be for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. Do you hear the power and the majesty of our God? He's saying that all the nations are less than nothing. Nothing is zero, ladies and gentlemen. He said we are less than less than nothing. And with our arrogance and foolishness and blindness, we question God. In Daniel chapter number 4, verses 34 and 35. This is what King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the most powerfulest nation in the world at the time. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Footnote, what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar? Well, he had an encounter with God. He got prideful. God said, do not say that this is Babylon that you have created. He said, even though you might be a heathen king, all the ability that you have comes from me. Nebuchadnezzar said, all right. Then he waited a year. He said it again. The Bible said, while the words were yet in his mouth, God drove let, drove him out of his kingdom, made him go insane. Not for one month, not for two months, not for one year, not for two years, but seven years. He drove him out of his palace, gave him a mind of a cow, let his hair grow like birds' feathers, like a bird's feathers, and his claws like bird claws. And he wandered naked in the wilderness. Glory to God as an insane man. But all those seven years, God protected him. He lived amongst the animals. He lived like an animal, but he was not an animal. He was a man. That means he could not compete with a wolf. He could not compete with a bear. He could not compete with a tiger. They would have torn him up. But God kept him. And then after that seven years, this is King Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. And I praised the Most High and I honored and glorified him who lives forever. And his dominion is an eternal dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. And he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. And no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? This is the testimony, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus said these things must come to pass. These are just the beginning of sorrows. You haven't seen nothing yet, but yet God in all of this has a purpose. Now we better wake up. Glory to God. 
The question is, many atheists and agnostics level in their foolish, what they call foolishness, what they call wisdom, God calls foolishness, and we go around with this little stupid argument that they make. So why does not God destroy evil? But before God can destroy evil, we need to have a little talk. What is evil? Evil is, evil is like rot on an apple. It's like rust on metal. It's not a force of its own. It needs a host in order to be manifested. I want you to get that. Rot, you can't see rot. The only way you could see rot is, is when it manifests on a host. Like if you take a bite of an apple, glory to God, and you leave it exposed, it begins to turn brown. Or if you leave rust, you can't see rust. Rust doesn't, I mean, what I, what I mean is, is you can't see the force that makes rust. Glory to God. Rust isn't floating in the air and just lands on metal. Rust needs a host. It needs something that it can get on. And so evil, glory to God, is not a force, but it is something that manifests itself. Glory to God, but it has to have the right host. So how does it happen? Evil occurs when a being that has the ability to know right and wrong and has the ability to choose between right and wrong chooses uses their ability of choice to act more to ha has the ability and capacity to act morally but chooses to do wrong that is what evil is so a dog can't be evil a chicken can't be evil a horse can't be evil in our own courts, if a person does not have the mental capacity to understand that he did something wrong, we won't even convict nobody if they're crazy because they don't have the capacity to understand evil with a right and wrong. You have to be a moral agent. You have to be something that has the ability to choose right and wrong in order for you to have evil. And we're not talking about natural evil. Not natural evil like, like a tornado. A tornado is not evil. It's destructive. It's tragic. It's cataclysmic in some cases. But it's not evil. It's not something that you could judge morally or immorally. That only comes from beings ontologically. Ontology. God is a supreme being. Then you have angelic beings. Then you have human beings. And then under that primates turtle doves and one cell amoebas and you take it on down. But after you leave the level of human beings, you don't have moral creatures. Glory to God. Beings that, creatures that merely respond by instinct, driven by instinct. Pigeons don't rape people. Pigeons don't smoke crack. Monkeys don't rob banks. Chickens don't get divorced. That's not who do that. Robins don't commit embezzlement.
rules don't break in people's houses. That's someone who know better choosing to do wrong. That's where the evil comes from. Glory to God. So then the only people that could do evil, that only leaves three levels of people. That means God, who cannot lie, who cannot do no evil. He's perfect and holy. Angelic beings, where you got those are subdivided into two main divisions. If holy angels and fallen angels, they can do evil. But see, when they did evil, glory to God, they've been cast down forever. And human beings. Human beings. So in order to get rid of evil, God could do it today. Ladies and gentlemen, he can get rid of all evil. He can make it to where there's no more lying, no more stealing, no more crazy dictators in the world, no more threats to nuclear weapon, no more embezzlement, no more lies, no more stealing, no governmental wrong, no more rape, no more drunkenness, no more child abuse, no more perverts. None of that. He can get rid of all of that tomorrow. But in order to do it, he'd have to get rid of every human on earth. That's how he can get rid of evil. This is what the Bible declares. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. He's talking about human beings. Psalm 39 and 5 says, Indeed, you have made my days as uh, hand breaths, and my age is nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but a vapor. At his best state. King James Version said, At his best state is an abomination, is vanity. Isaiah 64 and 6 But we are all uh, as an unclean thing And all our righteousness as its filthy rags Now listen, let, let me, let's just switch the argument ladies and gentlemen another way Let's just take this another way Let's go this way with it Forget about your sin We ain't got to talk about all the nasty lies and all that stuff All the ways we fall short Let's just put our righteousness out there God said your righteousness ain't no good we ain't even got to talk about your sin. Forget your sin for right now. We don't have to talk about your downfall. Let's talk about what you do right. God said that's worthless. So now what are you going to say? Yeah, God could get rid of all evil in one swipe. But he have to get rid of all the people to do it. But why would God do that when he has purpose in himself to save mankind? This is why the Bible said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God could get rid of all the evil but he'd have to get rid of all the people but why would God judge the world and just get rid of all the people when he has determined to save mankind. He's determined to save them. So why would he Get rid of all the evil. Because to get rid of all the evil means to get rid of all of us and not save nobody. Listen. When a man and woman gets married, 
and they come together, consummate their marriage. In that intense union is how human beings come out, come to, into the world. People accuse God and say, well, God, if, if you knew Adam was going to fall, then why did you, you not do it right? And, and God, if you knew all this that was going to happen, why didn't you just fix it first? And God, if you knew all of this, why didn't you make it so they couldn't do it? Well, let me just answer that. When you come together with your wife, do you not bring children into this world knowing that one day they will die? Do you not bring them in this world knowing that one day going to suffer pain, they will get hurt, they will make mistakes, they will make wrong choices, they will be taken advantage of by somebody, they will slip and fall or be a victim of an accident or a tragedy, yet we have the children despite all of the hate and pain and tragedy in this world and we come together and we bring our children here anyway knowing full well it's a jacked up world does anybody accuse you of doing something wrong because you have the desire and the will to express love to your offspring therefore despite it all you bring a child into the world because of the relationship of love. If God is wrong, then so are we. Yet we bring an accusation against God that he is unrighteous. God hasn't judged the wicked yet, but he will. There will come a day where he will settle all accounts. But for now, God has done the next best thing. He has told us what is going to happen before it comes to pass. Ladies and gentlemen, those were just introductory remarks. Now let's go to work. Let's break it down. And Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. This is what the Lord says. Remember the former things. Those of long ago, he says, I am God. There is no other. I am God. There is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning and the ancient times what is still yet to come I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please and this let me say this and God ain't asking nobody's permission. He don't need permission from a mere mortal man. You see that dressing down he gave Job. Glory to God. Listen to what it says in Jude. Jude uh, 14 and 15. This is reading from the New uh, English Standard Version. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 
10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and convict all the ungodly and their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and all of the harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. God knows the indictments of these foolish humans who think they know about, who think they know, they trust in their science and their physical laws. They have only understood the things that God has put in place. One of the questions that God asked Joe, he says, have you put knowledge in the inward parts? As a matter of fact, let's, let's turn to Job uh, 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 3836. This is what this is what God says. He said, who has put wisdom in the inward parts? Who has given understanding to the heart? Now, now wait, 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 wait. I want you to think about this. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts? Now, that, is, that doesn't sound like a, a very deep question, does it? Not, not, not on the surface, it doesn't. He says, uh, you know, who puts wisdom? Who has put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind? Let's just, let's just deal with something. Let me, I'm, I'm going to give you something real simple. The honeybee uses an octagon shape when it makes its beehive. Did you know the octagon is the perfect geometrical shape to use for a beehive? Eight sides perfectly adjoined with the other eight sides. The way it's honeycombed, no space is lost. If it were all squares, you would have the corners. If it were circles, you would have the space in between the circles wasted. The octagon is stronger. It is the strongest geometrical shape because of it being beveled and how it's shaped. Stronger. How did the honeybee know that? Do you know through geometry, it took men thousands of years to figure that out. The honeybee already knew it. What makes insects know what they know? But not only that, ladies and gentlemen. Thousands of years before men even understood there was a thing with DNA with a mathematical instructions to make a human cell and to design it with a mathematical code. Who put that there? That's not an accident. Foolish scientists who don't want to believe in God say, oh, this happened through a Big Bang. And the rest of it just kind of happened. That is so stupid. This is why the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, it is no God. You have people who don't know science or anything. They, they can look up in the heaven and have enough sense to know that the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament show of his handiwork. Day unto day utter his speech. Night unto night give it knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Psalm 19. Therefore we are without excuse. Paul says the things that are made made in creation is proof of God's existence. 
You can't live on the moon. You can't live on Mars. <laughs> You've got an atmosphere on this planet, but if you go up too high, there's no air up there. Therefore, it's too cold. Do you know when you fly through the sky on an airplane, the outside temperature is 40 below zero? Yet when you land the plane and no air up there, yet when you land the plane, you got Hawaii. <laughs> Green mountains, right? Try that on the moon. Try that on Mars. Try that on Mercury. Just perfect distance from the sun where it's not too hot. Earth tilted at the right angle. So all of the gamma rays from the sun do not penetrate the ozone layer. The ozone layer blocks all that stuff out for us. The atmosphere helps block all that stuff out. There's just enough air and the right mixture of gas to make humans breathe and dandelions blossom. Then the right light waves get through our atmosphere that it doesn't damage our eyes. Just perfect. Try that on the moon. Try that somewhere else. But let me get back to my point. Because I just get caught up. In Jude. 14 and 15. The seventh man from Adam. Jew. Seventh generation. Do you not know that God showed that man the end from the beginning? Glory to God. We hadn't even gotten to Noah yet <laughs> and he had already shown him the end from the beginning Enoch was so close to God God just took him God said look I done showed you all this you cannot stay here this man seen the church lady he seen the saints coming back with the Lord long in the beginning but this is what Isaiah says God does he shows the end from the beginning God says look this proves I am who I am he said there's no one that can do that thousands of years before it happens and this ladies and gentlemen is what the book of the revelation is it was done in the first century at the beginning of the age of the church but what God does because it's his fingerprint he shows us the end from the beginning what does that do it gives us an advantage. It gives us insight to things like the Corona virus, the wars and the rumors of war. Like Jesus told his disciples, see, I've told you these things in advance. We've all said it. If I only knew what was going to happen tomorrow, if I know what's going to happen tomorrow, I'd prepare today. But see, this is what 
end time prophecy is. This is what eschatology is. Because God gives things from the end from the beginning. Now we accuse him of being wrong. We accuse him of not doing anything about evil. He's going to do something about evil. But in the meantime, what he does to his children is he tells us what's going to happen. So we'll know. So we won't get caught up. So we won't be without a witness that a great and mighty God has a purpose even for tragedy. And in the end, he's going to fix it. He's going to make it all right. Even though we do not have all of the answers, God has declared, I tell the end from the beginning. This is why Enoch was able to see the end. Because God showed him. He wouldn't have been able to prophesy. God, he, God put a prophecy and he showed it to him. But, of course this is my commentary. God said, look, I didn't show you all this. You can't. You can't stay in this realm. So the Bible said, God took him. But he let Enoch leave a testimony. He said, look y'all, we went in the end. I saw the end from the beginning. And so this is what the book of the Revelation is. Now I know, as I said in my previous podcast, that predators would have issues with that. Oh, but it had to mean something to the Christians in the first century and all of this. Listen. Okay. Whatever they thought is fine. But it don't make a difference now because then people is long gone and the things that are in Revelation are yet to be fulfilled. It made no difference whether they understood it or not and their opinions about it don't make a difference. What Martin Luther thought, what Calvin thought, what Ignatius thought, what Tertullian thought, glory to God, <laughs> what Thomas Aquinas thought, and all that make a difference on eschatology because God sealed it up. It's what he told Daniel. Seal that up till the end time. There ain't time for nobody to know about this time. I'm rewriting it down because that's how I do things. I tell you stuff the end from the beginning. I give you specific details. Gog and Magog. Ezekiel 38 and 39. Russia. He says, I'm coming with Persia, Libya, and Ethiopia. <laughs> he got anything. And, and Tergamoth, which is Turkey. Why do you think these are the players in the Middle East, ladies and gentlemen? Why do you think Russia's over there? Did he not say that he would bring his people back to the land that was brought back from the sword, Ezekiel 38, in the latter years? He even told you when it was going to happen. In the latter years. But this is God's fingerprint. So he doesn't stop everything. He letting you know he's in control of everything. Even the tragedy, even the thing, look, the biggest tragedy that ever happened was Jesus Christ dying on the cross. They lied on him and everything. It was a whole hookup. And the Bible said, had the princes of this world understood it, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have crucified him, but they didn't know. Because God had it veiled, because he had a purpose in it. As Jesus hung there on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? There was a purpose, ladies and gentlemen. 
And we are that purpose. We're part of that purpose. Whether we understand it that way or not. Your two-year, three-year-old daughter may not understand why you have to get up and go to work every morning. She might understand about a mortgage. She might understand about property taxes. She might not understand that one day she got to go to college. She may not understand about eating. She may not understand about money and credit scores and all of that. She may not understand any of that. And you wouldn't take time to try to explain it to her. You would just say, don't worry about that. We do it with our children all the time. Why is it a mystery to us when we're when dealing with God? Glory to God. So the purpose of the book of Revelation, the purpose of prophecies like Matthew 24 that says these are just the beginning of sorrows, Luke 21, Mark 13, and all of the rest of the eschatological passages in the Old and New Testament demonstrates God's love for us by telling us those things to all who will listen of what is going to be before it happens. In the case of Revelation, he gave that at the beginning of the church, the story of the end of the church. And he did it 2,000 years in advance. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. But we're not ready, particularly here in America, why aren't we ready? Why are we not ready in the church? Why are we not listening? Why when God has written a book to tell us everything that was going to happen before it happened? So that we would know what's going to happen. Why aren't we paying more attention to it? Why are we not taught about it in the churches to where it'll change our lives? Particularly here in America. Well, let me help you with that answer. The reason is because one of the most popular constructs on eschatology Eschatology, a theological term for the study of the last days, end time, consummation of things, has been dominated for more than a century by a doctrine and a tradition called pre-tribulationism, which sees the book of Revelation as something primarily that has nothing to do with Christians or the church. So that attitude has spilt over into a prevailing thought amongst most Christians that are taught it that the rapture will occur before all the trouble starts, before any of this, a lot of this stuff and anything after Revelation chapter 3 don't belong to the church. The word church isn't found, which is, they have stupid arguments for that. Everything is all very, very, very superficial. As anybody that's been following my teachings for any amount of time, just go back maybe three lessons and I said, let's start from the beginning. You'll hear, you can just go back to that. Just go back to that. 
and you will learn that how that doctrine is based on air-thin reasoning and traditional positions that cannot be substantiated with the scriptures. These are some of the things that pre-trib said. And the reason why all this is important because as these signs that God put in the Bible began to manifest, it's going to have a huge impact on Christians. And this is where we're going with this lesson tonight. I said we're not ready, particularly here in America, and you will see why. Pre-trib has dominated the eschatological thought for more than a century. It came here in the 1830s through John Nelson Darby from over in England, Ireland, Slant, England. Part of a group called the Plymouth Brethren. They came, came to, eventually came to the United States, did a lot of prophetic conferences, was well accepted. His new thought on dispensation, which became known as dispensationalism, was well received here in America. People like Dwight L. Moody, other big main players, but some of the main players that ended up getting it was C.I. Schofield. C.I. Schofield, who did the Schofield Reference Bible, ended up publishing it, it in the first Schofield Reference Bible right around 1906 or somewhere around in that, that range. Spread throughout the United States, Schofield had a big influence on a guy by the name of Lewis Berry Schaefer. Lewis Berry Schaefer started a, a theological seminary that became known in 1936, 1932, right around that range as Dallas Theological Seminary. Dallas Theological Seminary became the primary uh, 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 a seminary in the South, in Texas, that taught dispensationalism under J Lewis Berry Schaefer came people like John Walford, Dwight Pentecost, Ryrie, and then all of these other people that came under that group, glory to God, and preached spread throughout the United States. Uh, now, Dallas Theological Seminary is not the, obviously not the only university that teaches that, but basically these were the pinnacle, these were the pillars of it. That's how it got here. Okay? All right, now. They said the church would be taken before the Antichrist is revealed. Now, where did they get that from? Well, they got that from 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. They said that the Holy Spirit was the restrainer that had to be taken out of the way. Okay, the Holy Spirit it was the restrainer that was taken out of the way. Like I say, go back to my other lessons if you want to understand all of that because I'm going somewhere. But they didn't use the scripture, all the scriptures to tell the truth about the beast. What they did is they said, oh, he who now led us. There's a restraining force that's re uh, holding back the revealing of the Antichrist. Now, who could that be? Well, they, uh, uh, is it Rome? No, that's not it. Is it the Jewish state? No, that's not it. Is it a form of human government? No, that's not it. Is it the, the state of Israel? No, that's not. Is it the law? Is it human government? No, that's not it. Uh, is it the church? No, that's not it. Because the church is imperfect and, can't, and doesn't do a good job of restraining 
and evil. <laughs> okay. I mean, this is why you get people like Dylan Root who can go into church and slaughter nine people right, right, right when they're having a Bible study. And, and walk out of there and put the gun in his back pocket and walk out like he ain't did nothing wrong. <laughs> Holy Spirit didn't restrain that. Holy Spirit doesn't see we see see we we they created this concept. Okay, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can or never or God never puts uh, a restraint on evil, but the glory to God, He doesn't restrain all evil because the evil that God permits to be here, God permits it to exist. The evil that He permits to exist, He's not restraining because He permits it. We see an example of that with the uh, demons in the uh, region of Gadara. Okay, when they possessed that man, remember that? They possessed that man and they said, who are you? They said, we, we are legion. We, we are, my name is legion because we be many devils. And they begged him not to cast them to be thrown into the abyss. The abyss is the prison for demons. Superintendent locked, uh, uh, and, and, and the, who God puts his holy angels in charge. They have restrained, they are the restrainers. They have the key to the bottomless pit, whole nine yards. Revelation chapter 20 tells us that. But anyway, getting back to these demons, this is what happened. The demon said, uh, You haven't come to torment us before the time. He said, Then they begged him, Don't command us to be cast into the abyss. So they asked Jesus, they said, tell you what, can we go into the pigs? Now notice what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't command them to be locked up. Jesus didn't p p command them to go somewhere else. Jesus didn't tell them to be active. Jesus did not destroy them. They asked him, could they stay in the region, go into pigs? Jesus said, sure. Basically, by, by allowing it, this is what he was saying. By, 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 by doing that, he's actually allowing them to do it. Basically, Jesus was saying, you have to come out of him, but it's all right to go into the pigs. It's all right to stay in the region. Why? Because demons are territorial. They are permitted to be here. It wasn't time for them to be locked up. That was, that's why they had the, that's why they, they, they came to him and said, have you come to torment us before the time? Because it wasn't time for them to be locked up. They knew that. Jesus knew that. So they said, hey, can we go into the pigs? Jesus said, that's fine. Come out of him. He said, you can go into the pigs, but you got to come out of him. Stay in the region. It's not that Jesus banished them to go to demon de demon detention. He didn't do that. He didn't destroy them. He didn't kill them. He didn't lock them up. Because they're permitted to be here. He didn't stop them from going and possessing somebody else. He didn't do that. Jesus didn't destroy any demons. He merely cast them out. He cast them out of certain people. But those demons that got cast out stayed in the earth realm. Why? Because they were supposed to be here. They had a purpose. That's right. I know that's, listen, I know that's deep. It is. This is why Daniel had problems. This is why the angel had problems getting to Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10. There was a demonic principality over the kingdom of Persia. That demon was supposed to be there. He's doing his job. <laughs> so when Daniel, when the angel came down to answer Daniel's prayer, the demon was doing his job and trying to stop the angel. These demons are permitted to be here. The evil is permitted to be here. So the whole idea that God restrains evil in that way is just simply not. 
the case. Not saying that God never restrains, uh, uh, restrains evil. Not saying that he can't restrain evil. Not saying that he never. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying when you when pre-trib gave the restraint of this Holy Spirit, the restraining ministry, they typecast the Holy Spirit into something that he has not been tasked to do. And if he was tasked to doing it, he does a poor job of it because all the evil that exists in the world. And this is why atheists say it can't be a God because it's too much evil. Well, the, I got news for you. The evil that is here is permitted to be here because it's overall part of God's plan, whether we understand it or not. The devil is the God's devil. And when he's ready, he'll take care of him. God's going to settle all accounts. We don't need to make excuses for God why evil exists. He permits it. And the evil he permits, he's not restraining. It's doing what it has to do. Glory to God. Now, when it comes to devil versus humans... Listen to this very carefully now. When it comes to devil versus humans, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our helper. Okay? Devil versus humans. Demons versus humans. We get an advocate. We get a paracletos. We get a helper. We get a comforter. Why? Because we were made in the image of God and we're humans. These beings are superior to us. They're on another ontological level. And it's not fair, God. This is why God would not allow the devil to attempt humans beyond what you are able. But that's human versus, that's demon, devil versus human. But when it comes to angel versus angel, the Bible says he does not give assistance to angels. This is important to understand this, ladies and gentlemen. He does not give assistance to angels. I know you've never heard this in church. Listen, I already know. I got it. Glory to God. He doesn't give assistance to angels. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter number two Verse 16. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. This is why in Daniel chapter 10, the angel said, there is no one who restrains with thee, with me in these matters, but Michael, your chief prince. Now, why was it Michael? Because this was dealing with God's people, Israel. Michael is the guardian angel over Israel. 
and the people of Israel. Glory to God. So it was Michael's job to help that angel. Why? Because it was dealing with God's people who had been taken into Babylon. But when they'd been taken into Babylon, I put them in another territory. When it put them in another territory, the demon of the prince of Persia was over that region. So since that demon was over that region, the kingdom of Persia, because they were in Babylon, when, when that angel tried to come down to answer one of God's people who had been displaced from Israel to Babylon under God's permission, who allowed them wicked Babylonians whom Habakkuk going, God, you going to let them Chaldeans do that? Ooh, there's some evil, wicked people. Okay? Who God permitted. Okay? So when God moved them people out of Israel, took them over to Babylon, it actually put them under the principality of Persia. There was a demon that was over Persia. So when God was sending that angel, Daniel chapter 10, see, y'all, see now y'all taking me out the way, y'all going to make me go there. Okay, let's go there. Because, man, I know this is... <laughs> I can hear y'all thinking, man, Dr. Woods, come on, bring it down. Come on, tell us, tell us. All right, so this is what he says. All right? Let's, verse, let's read verse uh, 18 through the last. Okay, now. He said, this is the one, this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. He said to me, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. And as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, my Lord, speak for I have, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know, do you understand why I came to you? He said, but now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come now these are the de demonic princes that are over these countries how then he says however I will tell you he says however I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth there is no one who stands firm with firmly against with me against these forces except Michael your prince now the reason why he mentioned Michael the archangel is because Michael the archangel is the guardian of the people of Israel that's the one who does that they were in Babylon since they were in Babylon that put them that put them in the territory underneath that prince of the kingdom of Persia so when that angel came down to answer the uh, the prayer then he got resistance the angel says they withstood me 21 days okay glory to God uh, let me let me let me find that for you he says verse 13 he says um, uh, uh, verse 12 he says then he said to me do you do not be afraid Daniel 4 for from the first day, I'm reading at verse number 12, Daniel chapter 10. For from the first day that you set your heart to understanding this and on humbling yourself before God, your words were heard. In other words, heaven, we heard you pray. We heard you praying, man. And he says, I have come in response to your words because Daniel prayed the prayer, right? Okay. He says, verse 13, he says, but the kingdom of the prince of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me. So now, now he says, and he stayed there with the kingdom of the prince of Persia. Why was the kingdom of the prince of Persia? Because they were in Babylon. So that wasn't a human being. <laughs> that was an angel. So now when it's angel against angel, ladies and gentlemen, God does not give assistance to angels. He helps 
people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's where the Holy Spirit. That's when He steps in, and when when it's human, uh, when it's ain't when it's demonic or Satan against humans, God gives us the Spirit. Okay, when it's angel on angel, the angel says, "I'm telling you what's written in the Book of Truth." The Book of Truth is not the Bible. The Book of Truth are the books that are contained in heaven that contains God's prophetic plan at a heavenly level. So the angel is not record, not talking about the King James version. He ain't talking about no human version. He's talking about the books that are in heaven. He said, I'm telling you what's written up there. There's nobody stands with me against these forces except for Michael. That's why he said that. So when we get to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, we find there's a restraining force that's restraining the revealing of the Antichrist. So Priest Ram says, man, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that's doing that restraining. Who else can it be? So they come up with all these little silly arguments, and they're all silly. Go, go back to my, uh, uh, go back to start from the beginning, and where I hit all those arguments. But ladies and gentlemen, none of them are biblical, and where well, they are biblical, but they're scriptures that are misapplied to a subject where they don't apply to. And they taught a tradition of men, ladies and gentlemen. This is a tradition of men, and we're going to get to why all this is important. What does all this got to do with the uh, uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 and wars against war, wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes and, and, and the earthquake that happened in Utah today, the 5.7, and the earthquakes that happened all around. What does all that got to do with the beginning of sorrows? We're going to see. Second Thessalonians chapter number two, there's a restraining force. Pre-trib said, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. So since the Holy Spirit has to be taken out of the way, guess what, folks? Before the Antichrist can be revealed, huh, we're out of here. So therefore, when you go to the book of Revelation and you don't see the word church after the word after chapter three, huh, that's that's a breadcrumb. And then when you look at uh, uh, the Philadelphian church and he says, I'll keep you from the hour that come to try the whole world. That's a breadcrumb. See, they see that they see that they see the rapture in, in that scripture. That's a breadcrumb. And then when he says, come up hither in Revelation chapter four and one and John goes up into heaven. Glory to God. Hey, and then you don't see the word church no more. That's another breadcrumb. And just follow the pre-trip breadcrumbs. And then uh, also with the Holy Spirit having to be gone because who else could be restraining the revealing of the Antichrist? It has to be God himself. That's what John Wolford said. That's what Dr. Pentecost said in Things to Come, page 262. He said the God, he said the restrainer had to be a member of the Godhead. These are theologians that created a tradition, ladies and gentlemen. This is not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says it's a restrainer. So instead of going to the scriptures that you need to go to, they go, they run around to John and Isaiah and uh, 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 Genesis to teach a con a concept talking about the Holy Spirit, God restraining sin when the context of 2 Thessalonians 
mentions the mystery of iniquity that was already working, wasn't being restrained, it was working already. But the text, the subject, the point of the passage is talking about the restraint of a certain individual. The Antichrist wasn't talking about some uh, uh, conceptual restraint of sin, uh, sin down through the agency by changing the, the, uh, the tone of the argument and switching it and equivocating and changing the argument to a general restraint of evil. They switched direction when they should not have. All you got to do is go to Revelation to find out what's restraining the Antichrist. Well, you find out that there's a part of the, or what the, the Revelation doesn't use the word Antichrist, but the same man that wrote 1 John where Antichrist is found, wrote Revelation. This time he refers to the beast. Well, what you find out is, is the beast is also a demonic principality that's locked in a prison called the abyss. And the reason why he can't come out into the earth realm is because he's in prison. He's locked up in a place where angels have a key, the chains restrain. And this is what we see in Revelation chapter 20. That's the where, where the, that angel comes down and binds Satan. Revelation 1 through 20. Let's go there real quick. I know a lot of this is review. I'm, I'm actually still going somewhere, believe it or not. Just stick with me now. All right. Then I saw an angel coming down. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. Listen, th- th- he got the chain and everything and the key. That's not a physical key that we would see with our eyes, but it's, it's the restraint that allows demons to be restrained. Angels always talked about being restrained. You find that in Jude, they were restrained with everlasting chains. First, second Peter, chains and demons right here. Same thing. Same thing with the conversation with the demons had with Jesus in Luke uh, uh, 831. They said, have you come to lock us up before the time? They commanded, they begged them not to command them to be thrown into the abyss. What is the abyss? It's a place where angels have the key, do the restraining. And guess what? Listen to this. It says he had a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the, the dragon, the serpent, that old, the, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. Who did that? Not Jesus, not the Holy Spirit. It was an angel. Angels are always referred to in a masculine gender and we don't know their names because their names, as the King James says in Judges 13, their names are secret or too wonderful beyond our understanding. That's why we don't, we, the, Michael, the word we can pronounce, trust me, he's got an angelic name that would be way above our ability to articulate or even understand. Michael is the human version name of that angel. Gabriel, those are, those are, God, that's God accommodating us with anthropomorphic terms, okay? Giving human names to beings like that that are far beyond humans, all right? Okay, they didn't have to go to first grade and learn how to spell and phonics and all that to learn how to write the name Michael. Trust me, that didn't happen. Okay, but anyway. All right, so verse number two. And he laid hold on uh, the dragon serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut him up and put a seal over him so that he would not deceive the world, the nation any longer till the thousand years was completed. After these things, he must be let loose for a short time. Verse number seven. He says, after they said, uh, number seven, 
Okay, not seven, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, verse number seven. And when the thousand years was completed, Satan would be let loose out of his prison. So the bottomless pit is a prison, ladies and gentlemen. Why is that important? Revelation 17, uh, seven and eight tells us the beast that John saw ascends out of the bottomless pit. That's where he comes from. He's in the bottomless pit, ladies and gentlemen. If he's in the bottomless pit, we know the bottomless pit is a prison, right? We know the bottomless pit is locked. We know the bottomless pit is locked with a key. We know the bottomless pit is superintended and controlled by angels that do the restraining of the demons that come out of there. This is what the Bible says. When the pre-trib went all through, all around the back, around and through the woods uh, to grandmother's house, we go with all these other scriptures that have nothing to do with Antichrist. All they had to do was come to Revelation, find out where the, that the beast was also a demon and because the beast is an angelic principality God does not give assistance to angels he allows the angels to handle that so that's why it's not the Holy Spirit restraining him it's an angel that's doing it that's why because God doesn't give assistance to angels He's got his angels that handle that. In Revelation 12, we see this when Michael the, uh, Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels. He threw them out of heaven. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit wasn't there. God didn't have, have to send the Holy Spirit to do that. Michael did that. When Michael was confronted the devil in Jude, he said, the Lord rebuke you. Why? Because angels, angelic beings do not bring railing accusations or be dis disrespectful to demonic principalities. They don't do that. And that's the whole point of Jude. They're saying the, these, these teachers, glory to God, they, 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 they do evilly by speaking evil of dignitaries. Then he uses the example. He says, for example, when Michael, the archangel, fought against or uh, contended with the uh, devil uh, over the body of Moses, he dared not bring a railing accusation. He dared not bring a railing accusation, not because he was weaker, not because he had less authority. Of course, Michael was there to stop the devil. Whatever the devil had him plan to do, he couldn't do it. That's because Michael was there to stop him. <laughs> Michael just didn't get smart with him. Michael just didn't pop him upside the head and, and talk about his mama. That's all. He treated him with respect. Why? Because Satan's a dignitary. Even though he's a wicked one. Even, even God, when he was talking with Job, he didn't say, hey, foul devil, those stinky breaths, tail wagging, horn in the head. Of course, the devil doesn't have a, a, <laughs> horns and stuff like that. Well, like we think of it from Dante and Forty. God didn't do that. He said, hey, say what you're doing. Oh, I'm walking up and down the earth. They had a cordial conversation. Even when Jesus was in the devil, Jesus was not disrespectful to, the, to Satan. They don't disrespect one another. Like not not like we do. So human beings, we think, oh, you found blah, blah 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 blah. We're speaking evil of principalities. That's what it's talking about in Jude. Talking evil of principalities. Same thing in uh, Second Peter chapter uh, number two. So 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 th 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 this is where that was uh, all coming from. Satan was never stronger than Michael. Michael was always uh, had had it over. But the angel that binds Satan that comes uh, when it's come to judge, that's not even Michael. That's another angel. God has a bunch of them. And Michael's not the only one. Come on. <laughs> you know. So Preach Rib didn't use none of that and they based the theory on, oh, it has to be the Holy Spirit and since it's the Holy Spirit, it has to be the church and since it's the, since it's the Holy Spirit and the church, the church has to be gone before the Antichrist comes. Now, why is this important? 
Because Priest Rev tells everybody that the Christians aren't going to be here. And they base it on a faulty theory, ladies and gentlemen. This is the whole point. This is the whole point. They're basing that on a faulty theory. And they have told Christians that the saints that's in Revelation chapter 13 that God forewarned us, said was going to happen, told us all this prophecy, gave us all of this revelation, gave us Matthew 24, Daniel, he gave us Ezekiel, he put all of this stuff in the Bible thousands of years before it happened so it would be part of the church tradition why did he go back so far because he does everything he tells the end from the beginning it is his pattern so this is why revelation in the first century talks about events that's going to happen in the final century because he tells the end from the beginning just like he did with enoch he showed it to Enoch in the beginning. He showed it to John in the beginning. The beginning of the church age. He showed it to him. This is what God does. This is how he showed his love. This is how he told us what's going to happen before it happens. Why? So we wouldn't be caught. But why aren't we listening to it? Because we got a tradition that told us we're not going to be here. None of that stuff applies to us. So therefore, we, we treat it that way. We don't teach it in our churches. Pastors don't teach on this stuff. Well, we're not going to be here. The church isn't mentioned. This is a crazy argument. That's not the only thing, the way Paul identifies the church. He uses the word saints and church. He uses the word saints just as much as he does church and his epistles. It's about just even. Church a little bit more, but saints most a lot of times. Okay? And so this is why you don't find the word church in the book of Revelation. Because, number one, Paul didn't use it the same way. John didn't use it the same way as Paul did anyway. Paul never used it. John never used the word universal church like Paul does. That was Pauline. Those revelations were given to Paul. It wasn't given to John. You can't expect somebody who didn't get that revelation to use the word church like Paul does. That's why you don't find it in Peter's writing, James's writings, or John's writings. You don't never find the church referred to as the universal church. And you can't look for it in Revelation. It's a categorical error. When John uses the word church, he uses it in a local sense. He never uses it in a universal sense. Why would you expect him to? He's not Paul. He's John. John didn't get that revelation. Paul did. Paul said that the gospel that was given of, to me in Romans chapter 16 in his, uh, in his doxology. So, that's why you don't see that stuff. All these superficial arguments that they use, it's just, they're just utterly ridiculous. But what does it do? It undercuts God for warning us and giving us warning and telling us what's going to happen before it happens. And that's a serious indictment, ladies and gentlemen. It's a serious indictment. Okay. So they didn't use the scripture. They was, So they basically said the tribulation saints that's in Revelation 13, oh, those are the left behinds. But the Bible calls them God's holy people who love not their lives unto death. Pre-trib claims, what, what comfort would it be if the church was still here to suffer? So they asked, what comfort would it be to be killed by the Antichrist? But this is what I heard the Bible say, if you suffer with him, 
you will also reign with him. The Bible says in Philippians, he said, we not only been called to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for his pace. Say, Paul said, we are killed all the day long. We are like sheep for the slaughter. What you mean, what comfort would there be? Ask Stephen. Stephen had comfort, ladies and gentlemen. When those people came to dash his brains out and stone him to death, he kneeled and said, Lord, don't even put it on their account. That's the comfort. What do you mean, what comfort would it be? How dare pre-trib lay that argument at the feet of the saints talking about we won't have no comfort that's what the Holy Spirit is that's who is the comforter he's the one who gives comfort in the midst of tribulation that's how you know you have the spirit how do you think Peter how do you think Stephen was able to say don't lay this to their charge it ain't no thing Lord that's why Paul said I can be poured out he says I'm ready to give up he says I've ran the race I've done I've, I've, I've run my course I'm ready to be offered up that means to be poured out like a drink offering that's what that means that, if you want to get an idea of the drink offering is, and I, I forget what this passage is but, it, but it's like a, a, a David you know David they had fought the Philistines and, and, and they were tired and everything they were whooping up on them and everything but the Philistines had a water brook and David said oh I just wish glory to God that I could get some water from I think it was Bethlehem or wherever it was he said, he said I wish I could have so so he didn't tell his soldiers to go get it man some they loved that man so much man some of they, the boys said come on boys let's go get our king some water so they broke through the Philip, the, uh, the, the Philistines line Killed up a bunch of Philistines, took some water pots, broke into the water thing and got some water, kill up some to get out of there. And then they bought the water back. They said, King, here's your water. And David said, oh, my God, man, y'all risked your lives to get me this water. He says, I'm not worthy to take this water. And he poured it out as a drink offering. Paul said, I'm a drink offering ready not worthy of the Lord I'm not worthy of you God but I, I'm ready I fought my battle I ran my course I'm ready to be poured out like a drink offering I'm not worthy to serve you I'm not worthy that you would save me I'm not worthy that you would redeem me I'm ready though to be poured out that's the mindset what the comforter does how dare some of these superficial people who teach what comfort would a Christian have if they were here to be killed by the Antichrist the Bible said it was permitted for Antichrist to make war against the saints who do you think permitted that these were these were sacrifices that God permitted to be sacrificed on his behalf because they loved not their lives unto death. They didn't fear death. And so this is why the Holy Spirit says, and I have to read this to you. This is why the Holy Spirit says what he says, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you got to hear this for yourself. And I want to read this to you, and I want you to follow this closely. Verse number, Revelation 14, verse number 9. 
Then another angel, a third one followed him saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of the wrath of God which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day and night those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives his name, the mark of his name. Okay, now this, we're going to come back to that. But here's verse number 12. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, these people here are Christians. This is the church. This isn't some other group of left behind people. This is God forewarning and saying, listen, when you guys get to this point, I haven't abandoned you. I haven't done anything like that. He says, but I'm letting you know, whatever you do, do not get the mark of the beast. There's really, really one rule during that time that you need. Don't get the mark of the beast. Don't get that mark. And this he said, here's where it comes. Here is the per perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Now listen to verse 13. This is very important. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors and their deeds do follow them. Now, I want you to, let's, let's go back to that. And I want you to make sure you get this. Let's read verse 12 again. Here is the perseverance of the saints. Hagios, God's holy people who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. These are not some left behind folks, ladies and gentlemen. These are legitimate Christians who maintain their faith to the end in the face of death, in the face of Antichrist, in the face of martyrdom, in the face of not getting the mark of the beast. These are the ones who hold on to the end. Glory to God. And then, this is what you have from heaven backing them up. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord from here on. Yes, said the Spirit. Wait a minute. This is the Spirit. This is the Comforter himself giving comfort to those who die in the Lord 
from martyrdom under Antichrist, who, who go through suffering under Antichrist. So how dare a tribulation, pre-tribulation purpose says, what comfort would they have? You have the comforter himself guarantee that they will be saved. Guaranteeing it. But what he does also guarantee that if you get that mark, you are going to go to hell. So now we got an issue. Got an issue. You have priest Trib who says these ain't Christians. They don't have any Bible for that. All they got is a theory. The theory was saying that was the Holy Spirit had to, was the restrainer who was taken from the earth. They had no Bible to back that up. I had to write. I wrote that to Walford. I said, "Man, y'all wrong on this. And you can't. You 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 didn't go to any of the scriptures. You should have went." Man, of course they disagreed with me. But the bottom line is this: I'm gonna put their letters in my book. You'll be surprised at, uh, at the answers they gave because they didn't. You can't argue with the scriptures. The scriptures are plain. You can't argue with them. Glory to God. All you can do is come up with a theory and say this is what you believe. That's all you can do. Listen to my other uh, podcast where, where I have Dr. John MacArthur giving his, his reasons on why they think it is who it is. Just, listen, just go, go back and listen to it yourself. But here's what the problem is, ladies and gentlemen. It's a big problem. They claim this is some other group of people. The church is gone already. That sounds fine, right? If I'm wrong and Priest Rib is right, we're going anyway, right? I'll apologize. I promise I will. What did pre-tribs wrong? Pre-trib is just a theory, ladies and gentlemen, based on theological concepts that cannot align with the scriptures. It is a it is a very tightly wound doctrine. Very well constructed. And men love that doctrine more than they love the scriptures. And this is what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, in vain did they worship me teaching the commandments and doctrines of men. He said, they, 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 they make the word of God none effect through their doctrine. And ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna, before, I, before we go, I'm going to actually play the John MacArthur saying, you can get the mark of the beast and still go to hell despite what it says in 14. And we're going to actually hear the reasoning they put behind it. I'm going to tell you why that's so dangerous. Glory to God. Let us move right along. Glory to God. He says, but I heard a voice said, if you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. Preacher go, oh, what comfort will we have if we get killed by the Antichrist? They need to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. The same comfort that Polycarp had. When he said, 86 years, I've been serving the Lord all my life. I'm not going to turn my life on him, turn my back on him. I, Jesus Christ is Lord. They set the man on fire. Polycarp said, bring it on. That's the comfort. That's the comfort. That, that's the comforter doing that. People would be freaking out otherwise. Well, well, how could you get thrown to lions and still be singing? How could you get your head cut off and say, oh, don't charge it to him? That's the comforter, man. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus said when they take you before magistrates, though you don't have to think about what you're going to say before you get there. He said, I'll give you the words right there. He said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. That's the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the, is the spirit of prophecy. 
Glory to God. Your Bible has all this information. Why? Because God tells the end from the beginning. Why? Because he wants us to know what's going to happen before it happens. Why? Because we've always said, if I only knew what was going to happen before it happened, I'd be much better. Well, you're supposed to be much better from the book of Revelation. It is a letter of love to the church. It's God demonstrating his love. But we don't read it. We're not paying attention to it because somebody done told us that don't apply to us. They have short-circuited God's purpose for the book of Revelation. Also, they can hold their doctrine. Preach real. And it's going to mess a lot of people up. Glory to God. Glory to God. Modern day Christians are not prepared for what the Bible foretold. It has literally been short-circuited by pre-tribulationism. Literally. The reality is, pre-trib will be quickly known to be false. I'm going to tell you when. Especially once they start building that temple in Israel. Once they start building that temple in Israel, ladies and gentlemen, because pre-trib all says, oh, that's going to be built during the Daniel 70 week. It's going to be good. The church is going to be gone. We'll never be here to see it. All that stuff. See, that's a, because they're pre-trib. Well, once the church is still here, once that temple, it starts to be built and the church is not gone, pre-trib will easily fall apart at that point because everybody will know it's wrong. They're going to know it's wrong at that point. Church will still be here. Stuff will be happening. Persecution is going to start. Okay? All of that stuff is going to happen. It's going to start turning in on Christians. Glory to God. Alright? Okay? So when Antichrist appears and the church is still here, glory to God, that's when the problem is going to happen. They taught it was the Holy Spirit that has to be removed before he's revealed. And they based that on scriptures that they tried to make say that, that had nothing to do with Antichrist, nothing to do with eschatology scriptures like uh, uh, Genesis uh, 6 and 3 scriptures like Isaiah 59 uh, 59 16 scriptures like that are found in John where the Holy Spirit is called a he none of those scriptures have anything to do with Antichrist have anything to do with entire prophecy, none of that not dealing with the subject at hand Trying to put that on what Paul was talking about. They didn't go anywhere near Revelation. It told you, hey, you know what? The Antichrist, the beast is really a demonic principality that is locked up in the abyss. And because he's locked up in the abyss, that makes it an angel on angel thing. He's really a demonic principality. He's a fallen angel. Who's been here before, as a matter of fact? That's why John says in Revelation chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, he was, is not, and yet is, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. When he comes back again out of the bottomless pit, there'll be seven heads. He'll actually become the eighth head in his encore appearance. You have to go to Revelation 17, uh, 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 9 and 10 to get that, but it's there. Okay? All right, now. So one of the things that's going to happen. Once they start building that temple, and trust me, I believe, I'm prophesying this, I don't know for sure, this is Dennis Wood saying it, I believe President Trump is elected again through Jared Kirshner, they're going to continue to work on that peace treaty, and you're going to hear talk of about a temple being built. Netanyahu said it in his t speech when they moved the uh, embassy to uh, uh, Jerusalem, 
the American Embassy to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv, Netanyahu's speech talked about the Temple Mount. And when Israel regained uh, uh, authority over the Temple Mount, they said the Temple Mount is ours again. He mentioned the Temple three times in his speech. All you got to do is go back and listen to it. Israel is ready to build a temple. Israel wants to build a temple. They're getting the Temple Institute now is making the vestures, the vestures and the utensils for the temple. And they're trying to reinstitute the Sanhedrin and they're picking people to be part of the Levitical priesthood. They're doing a bloodline. The DNA searches, the red heifer has already been born. These are people, if, ladies and gentlemen, if you do not believe what I'm saying, then call over to Israel and talk to the people at the Temple Institute and find out whether I'm not telling the truth. They are actually making the stuff now to build that temple. So when they start the construction of that temple, ladies and gentlemen, and the church is not raptured, pre-trib is going to start falling by the wayside. But the problem is, is those who have been holding on superficially are going to be caught in the middle of not knowing what the heck to do. Glory to God. So, that's what's going to bring the mockers forward that the Bible talked about that's going to happen in the last days. Now, Christians have always talked about the rapture all through the age of the church. Yes, because the Bible talks about it, right? Okay, the, 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 the mystery of the resurrection. We've always, we've always talked about it. But there is a specific group of mockers that's going to be reserved for the last days. That group of mockers is going to come. Why? Because you got all these pre-trib people talking about we're going to be getting out of here. Yippee-yay-yay. Blah, 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 blah. But once that temple starts getting built and they're still here, the mockers are going to attack. That's why the Bible talks about mockers that appear in the last days. Because it'll be surrounding the Christians who are pre-trib talking about we're about to get out of here. And so this is why John Hagee, Jeffers, and all these other big pre-trib people, they were all there when that, when that, thing, when that uh, uh, embassy was moving and, and, and all of the dispensationalists and all of them are jumping up and down because they think Donald Trump is going to help bring make the rapture happen quicker. They actually believe it. Listen, y'all think I'm lying, I'm flying. If I'm like my mama used to say, if I'm lying, I'm flying. They believe that. They actually believe it. I also believe if Trump gets a lot, if President Trump gets elected again, ladies and gentlemen, before he gets out of there, there'll be talk of building a temple. I'm not saying God gave me that. I'm not saying I'm prophesying. I didn't say that. I said, I believe. You're going to hear talk about it. And when that happens, they, they start building that temple or whatever it happens, whether the, in his administration or not, when that happens and Christians are still here, everybody's going to know pre-trib is wrong at that point. Because they're the ones who throw out the gauntlet that says the temple's going to be built during the Daniel 70 week. And Daniel 70 week is the day of the Lord. Daniel 70 week is not all the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord cannot happen before the abomination of desolation. Abomination of desolation does not happen until after the mid of the week. You cannot have an Antichrist. It's the Antichrist all seven years. He's not even an Antichrist for seven years because the Bible says he only has 42 months. You can't make him the Antichrist at the beginning of the Bible. He's not the Antichrist yet. He's not the Antichrist until the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit possesses him. 
That's a demonic principality that is an angelic being that will possess him. He would be possessed by a great demon that's locked up in the abyss. That's what's holding back the revealing of the Antichrist. Not the Holy Spirit. The Bible never said that. Besides, the Holy Spirit doesn't restrain in angelic matters. Angels on angels. God doesn't give assistance to angels. Hebrews chapter 2, 16. He doesn't give assistance to angels. He gives assistance to us. So when it's Satan or demon versus human, yes, we get a comfort, we get a helper, but not the angels. So the one that's in the bottomless pit, that's a demonic principality, just like the one that stopped Daniel in Daniel 10. Daniel didn't, that angel didn't get no help from the Holy Spirit because it's written in the book of truth. There's, they don't restrain with them in that. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Holy Spirit has angels that are quite capable. So, so this whole thing plays out. The beast comes out of the bottomless pit. Okay? So when the temple starts to get built, we need a temple there. Why? Because Second Thessalonians said, Antichrist will go into the temple and call himself God. So you got to have a temple built. Pre-trip said, we'll be gone. Oh, no, 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 no. So what happens? Christians are still here. Those Christians that they call left behinds, Tim LaHaye and them, come to find out that's the last generation of church saints. So now we've got a problem. You know what the problem is? It's a big problem. Now you're going to have a modern day Thessalonians situation. What does that mean? The Th second Thessalonians was written because Thessalonians thought they were, had entered the day of the Lord. Why? Because somebody had wrote a letter saying that the day of the Lord had already started. They're going, oh no, the day of the Lord has started. We missed the rapture. So they were freaking out. Rightly so, right? This is going to happen again. Why? Because pre-trib says all of Daniel 70 week is the day of the Lord. Number one. Point number one. That's wrong. It's not the day of the Lord. It's not seven years. The day of the Lord is not seven years. The day of the Lord cannot happen until after the abomination of desolation. After the abomination of desolation, then sometime after that, while Antichrist has had time to make war with the saints, there's some of those that's going to die. There's some that escape his hand. He ain't going to kill everybody. Glory to God. He says, but sometime after that, the sun will be dark and the moon shall not give his light. Uh, right before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. That's Joel chapter 2. That's Acts chapter 2. Before Acts chapter 2. Before the day of the Lord, the cosmological signs hit. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making that up. It says before the great notable day of the Lord comes. Before it gets here. Those signs show up. That's why you see it in Revelation 6. Glory to God. That's, that's a, when God opens that seal, that's not the stuff happening right then. That's the preview. God opening up the seals, ladies and gentlemen, is the preview. It's like the preview of a movie that shows you actual cuts of the film before the film cuts out. That's what they were doing. They were opening up the book that contained the revelation. It was one of those books of truth that the angel talked about in heaven. There are several books up in heaven that men don't have access to. So when the Lord was opening up the book, it was those are the previews of stuff that's coming. It's not that it was happening right then and there. It was just showing you what's going to happen. We have a book of Revelation because that book was opened. That's why I was, that's, that's, the, that's where all of the substance of that book that was opened comes from. And that's why John had to go up there and see it because that's where the book was opened. It's not that he was just looking at the book. He, it was playing out. Glory to God. So it's not a book in the sense that you just read it. It's a book that contains the information, but it comes alive when it's open and it was revealed in heaven so he could see it. We got to wait for the manifestation down here on earth, though. 
So that's what the book of Revelation is. That's God's fingerprint. He does what? He shows us the end from the beginning. He's always done it. He started it with Enoch. Then he gave it to John. Showed it to Daniel. And from again, thousands of years beforehand, God said, there's nobody like me. Nobody else can do this. So now, you have a modern day Thessalonians situation kicking in because you got people, you're going to have all of these Christians here, pre-trib, who thought they were supposed to be gone, now caught up. But the problem is, it's not going to look wicked, ladies and gentlemen. You have to understand that. The mark of the beast is not going to look wicked. It's going to be the law. Just like the law said in the state of Illinois, all churches closed down. That don't look evil. We got a situation going, right? It doesn't look evil. Just like the law is saying everybody in October 2020 has to get a new state ID or you can't get on an airplane without a passport. And it's not going to stop there, gov going into government buildings, doing certain things. See, as, as they come with the, with the, uh, with the uh, national ID card, as that happens, as we go, you're going to need it to do more and more things. That doesn't look evil, ladies and gentlemen. It's just abiding by the law. So when the mark of the beast comes, you have to understand, it's not going to be looking evil. It's going to be the best economic system the world has ever known. And it's going to be the law. So it's not going to look wicked. It's going to be complied with the law. Just think. If you had a cousin today that had four kids and they say, listen, I'm pulling them out of school. I'm not going to let them go to school. We're not paying our taxes. We think the government sucks. So what we're going to do, we're going to take these kids. I'm taking my kids and we're going to go live in the woods and live in a tent for the rest of the days. And we're going to keep the kids. We're going to take them out of school and everything. Blah, 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 blah. You would be calling DCFS so fast on your relative. It's important. Go on, get those kids. Rescue the kids. They done went crazy. Well, that's what's going to happen with the Mark of the Beast. The same thing is going to happen. Because why? Because it's the law. You got to send your kids to school. You got to participate in society. That's how it's going to look with the mark of the beast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not going to look evil. People are going to say, you Christians, there's something wrong with you. What do you mean? You mean to tell me you're going to pull your kids out of school. You're going to stop paying your light bill. You're going to stop going to the bank. You're going to stop being able to buy food. You're going to stop being able to pay tuition. You're going to stop your, you're going to walk away from your job. Have you lost your mind when all you got to do is go down and participate and the economic system is the law. You can be arrested if you don't do this. That's how it's going to look. It's going to look just like the true ID. It's going to look just like the government saying because of the coronavirus, you got to shut your churches down. Ain't going to look evil, ladies and gentlemen. It's not going to come that way. And people, Christians, are going to be accepting of it. Why am I so sure they're going to be susceptible? Let me read a passage to you. In Matthew 24, 9 and 10, this is the NIV. This is what it says. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn from the faith and betray and hate one another. 
Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, there will be a great falling away. What's going to cause this falling away? Why are people going to betray one another and defect from the faith? Just as Jesus prophesied. What is going to happen? What's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen, is people who have been told all their life that they were going to be gone are still going to be here. People who have been taught all of their life that the Holy Spirit is going to be taken because the Holy Spirit was the restrainer. Ladies and gentlemen, they're going to be caught. And they're going to be caught in a situation where it's the law to get the mark of the beast. It's not going to look wicked. How else am I going to go to the store? How else am I going to take it for my kids? How else am I going to keep them in school? How else am I going to pay my daughter's tuition? How else am I going to keep my job? How else am I going to pay my light bill? How else am I going to pay my student loans? How else am I going to do anything? How am I going to partake in society? What do you mean? I got to withdraw from society. People to be calling the police on relatives over that. Many Christians aren't ready for this because they don't read their Bible. They've been taught a doctrine that says you're not going to be here, so they don't deal with it. But all of a sudden, they're going to be caught. They're going to be here. But God, who told us the end from the beginning, put it in the book so we'll know. It'll be too late. They won't be paying attention to that because they've been short-circuited by a doctrine and a tradition of men that cannot be substantiated with the scriptures. Call preach real. Glory to God. They're going to compromise and take the mark of the beast. Now, here's the double kicker right here. Dr. John MacArthur, one of the top pre-trib proponents around today, commentaries, volumes of books, president of a seminary, whole nine yards. This man teaches that Revelation 14, you can still get the mark of the beast and be redeemed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to do is I want you to listen and not only did he say it, see, you have to understand, how are these people going to get caught? Number one, they're going to find themselves still here, but they've been given a way out with what John, Dr. John MacArthur taught them. And it has picked up steam. It isn't just him saying it. They now actually defend it. Now, I'm going to play for you, ladies and gentlemen, the defense of how they say people can get the mark of the beast and still go to heaven. You have to hear this for yourself. See, I, I don't want you to think that I'm just making up stuff on people. I'm not doing that. I want you to hear this for yourselves in Jesus name.
Johnson, a pastor elder at Grace Community Church and the executive director of Grace to You, posted an article defending Dr. MacArthur's alleged false teaching. I'll just give a summary of Pastor Johnson's response here. Towards the beginning of the article, he cites Revelation 14, 9 through 11. If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast in his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. The text here is certainly saying that receiving the mark is a sin that will send those who commit it to hell. However, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10, Paul says, Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So, in point of fact, any sin carries with it the threat of eternal doom. And scripture sometimes singles out particular sins that have a soul-destroying effect. But remember, in 1 Corinthians 6.11, Paul clearly states that such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Pastor Johnson goes on to argue that Revelation 19.20 states that multitudes will take the mark of the beast because they are deceived, and that the scriptures do not say that they are thereby automatically hardened forever against repentance. He closes by stating that taking the mark is certainly high treason against the Lord, and will be judged by God accordingly. However, simply taking the tattoo will not automatically exclude an individual from the kingdom of God, because the Lord is good and ready to forgive, and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon him. Let me just add my own thoughts. Now, the reason why I played that, I wanted you to hear that for yourself. This is how they're justifying getting the mark of the beast and still being saved. Why is that dangerous, ladies and gentlemen? Because millions of Christians who will still be here, who thought they were going to be gone, are actually going to compromise. Just like Jesus says, they're going to defect from the faith. Just like Paul says, they're going to be a great falling away. The reason why they're going to do it is because the mark of the beast is not going to look wicked. It will be the current legal form of economic system that people have to comply with. Just like getting the new national ID. Just like the edicts closed down your church for coronavirus. These are all dress rehearsals for the apocalypse, ladies and gentlemen. And so... With that being said, now you have one of the people who teach pre-trib on one hand says the church be here. That church will be gone. Oh, but that's what's going to be true. That's going to happen. When pre-tribbers are still here and they're not gone, now they have extra comfort because the same people who teach pre-trib have come around to enter and open the back door to tell people, see there, you can get the mark of the beast and still be redeemed. You see how dangerous that is? Ladies and gentlemen, coronavirus, the government shutting things down, the federal coming in, saying how they're going to have the answer. This is all dress rehearsal for the things 
that are yet to come on this world. It's a a dry run. And it's going to make sense. This is what we all have to do. This is how we all have to contribute. Then they're going to slide in this economic system, whole nine yards, and people are going to buy the hook, line, and sinker. And now one of the biggest pre-trib proponents in the world has caused a doctrine that is being defended by linking other scriptures and saying, well, this ain't the only begotten, this ain't the unpardonable, unpardonable sin. First of all, Revelation does not use the termini- terminology pardonable sin. What they do is they take the concept from one part of the Bible and then put it with this. That text has nothing to do with what God is saying here. This is a special event for a special time. No one else in the world can commit this sin. But those who are living at the time, this is an exclusive one-time eschatological event because the Antichrist is a one-time eschatological event, eschatological event that happens at a one-time day of the Lord, one-time abomination of a desolation type of event in the last days. So don't go through other parts of the epistles to try to justify making God's word none effect. And so Dr. John MacArthur will stand before God and give account. I don't care how many commentaries he has. I don't care how many books he has sold. I don't care if the president of his uh, 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 seminary has come out and said whatever they said. I don't care about that. None of that makes a difference. No one has more authority in the scriptures than the scriptures themselves. This is why you cannot trust the doctrines of men. This is why the Bible also says, watch as well as pray. I'm not saying that everything that pre-trib says is wrong. I'm not saying that. Or the people, let me say, let me restate that. I'm not saying that everything that the people who believe pre-trib teaches is wrong. Maybe some of the things they say is right. Maybe, But in this area, it's wrong. Maybe the Antichrist will come out of Europe. I'm not saying that. Maybe, maybe, maybe he will. Maybe, maybe the reconstructed Roman Empire does actually come out of the uh, modern day European countries. I, I'm not saying it. It doesn't. I don't know. And the reason why I don't know is because the people who control all of the messaging are the same people who said you can get the mark of the beast and go to heaven. They're the same people who said the Holy Spirit is the only one that can constri- that restrains Satan when they didn't have the Bible to say it. They are the ones who said the church is not mentioned and, the, and, and those aren't the uh, Christians, uh, the church Christians in Revelation. They're the ones who said that. Their theory is the one who said that. So since they're wrong on that, I don't know if the rest of their theories are right. 
So this is why the Bible tells us to watch and pray. This is why we have to look at the sign that God has given us. We can't look at the traditions and the doctrines of men. We have to watch and pray. Watch what? Watch what the word of God said. Watch the signs that Jesus gave us. Watch the things that he has said. Not what John MacArthur said. Not what Walford has said. Not what... Derby came over here and brought to the United States. Watch what Jesus said. Notice he says, watch and pray. He didn't say go to your commentaries and do what they said. You have to see with your own eyes and be responsible for that. You have to know what your Bible says. That's what he means by watch. God put the information in the Bible for us to see it ahead of time. It is his revelation to us so we wouldn't get caught up. Because why? That's how God proves he is God. One of the ways is through prophetic revelation and telling us the end from the beginning because no one else can do that. What I am saying, pre-trib has already already shown us enough that's wrong. And they've had that traditional position going around the earth for the last 200 years now. It's flawed in enough areas that we have to be open to what God is revealing in these last days. That's why God said to watch as well as pray. Because there's certain things that only he's going to be able to reveal. That's why it says that watch and pray. What if the reconstructed Roman Empire is not Europe, but it's America? I'm just throwing this out. I'm challenging you. What if the reconstructed Roman Empire is not Europe but America? This is a world. America is a world power just like ancient Rome. America has a Senate and a government structure just like ancient Rome. Our governmental architectural structures in Washington with the columns are structured after Roman architecture. Like the column buildings in the Capitol. And and we even have Colosseums like Rome. Our symbol is the eagle just like Rome who was a worldwide power just like Rome, who spread out across the globe just like Rome, who occupies other lands just like Rome and controls other governments just like Rome and dominates world currency and controls banking and all this stuff just like Rome that has more destructive power than any other nation on earth just like Rome if we are looking at Rome as all the scholars 
the literal Rome as all the scholars say it, then that, if we're looking, listen, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, and I'm not saying this is a fact. I'm just getting you to think. If the dispensational scholars all told us that it's coming out of Rome, And we're looking at Rome. We're looking at Europe, rather. Then that means we wouldn't see America coming. That's what it means, ladies and gentlemen. We would not see America coming. Think about it. And the reason why I'm throwing this out, because who told us to look at Europe? Who told us, well, it's got to come out of there because they said Daniel and his feet come out of there and his feet was landed over here and this leg and that leg over there and, uh, of the uh, iron uh, and the brass and the, and the irons uh, mixed with clay statue in Daniel chapter 2. And, and all of the dispensational scholars, they're the ones who told us that it has to come out of Rome. But ladies and gentlemen, that means, you know what? At the time Daniel was written, and at the time Revelation it was written, America didn't exist. <laughs> it didn't exist, ladies and gentlemen. So the prophecy would still be accurate. A modern day Rome. You know what? Revelation calls Jerusalem Sodom and Egypt. There are spiritual names that are given to nations. That's right. If we're looking at Europe, that means we don't see what America's doing coming at all. That means things could be happening right in front of our face and we would miss it just like they miss Jesus's first coming they missed him and he was here it makes sense the prophets couldn't call a country like America anything else but Rome Think about that. Now, I'm not saying this is the final. I, look, look, it still could be. But don't you think it's strange, ladies and gentlemen? And I'm going to leave you with this. Don't you think it's strange that we now have a president who is bent on getting this peace treaty done in Israel? I want you to think about this. Erwin Baxter, end of the age, he's a post-trib person, but he teaches that this very, the, the deal that Trump's working on may be very well be the treaty that triggers Daniel 70 week. He's already saying it. Do you not know evangelicals Many of them see what Trump is doing is actually causing the rapture to happen early. 
or making it come about? Do you not see that if he, Trump, is the one who brings that peace treaty, ladies and gentlemen, then that means he's the Antichrist. See, I'm not making this up. I'm saying if what other people are saying without saying it, because that's what Aaron Baxter is saying. Aaron Baxter is saying, you, 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 if I'm lying, I'm flying. All you got to do, look up End of the Age by, with Aaron Baxter. Go through some of his programs. He comes out and says it. This could actually be the treaty that starts it. But that's not the only thing, ladies and gentlemen. It isn't Trump doing the treaty. It's his administration. There's another person that nobody saw coming that is trained in Harvard from a European Jewish family whose parents came here from Europe, started a prominent family, the father had a son. Son went to Harvard, who's known as the fixer, who is the real impetus behind this peace treaty, who is an American Jew, whose families building is 666 Park Avenue Park Avenue Broadway whatever street is 666 I encourage you look at the Netflix documentary on Jared Kushner the Washington Post just released an article about how behind the scenes now Jared is working to solve this COVID-19. Crisis around the world. By gathering together. And as a matter of fact, it's disturbing people in the Trump administration because Jared has the president's ear. After the meeting, late at night, Jerry can pick up the phone and call the president. Nobody else has that access to him. The Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, when he visits the United States, he has slept in Jared's bedroom at the Kirshner family home. No one saw him coming. Now he is the keynote speaker. When the uh, embassy was moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, it was Jared Kushner, the speaker. He spoke after Netanyahu. He was the chief speaker. He's the one behind the treaty. He's 
the one who's trying to work the treaty out and it just so happens he is an American Jew from European descent so in a sense he's a power broker in a nation that spilled out of Europe talking about America and a country that is fashioned after Rome but wasn't in existence in the day that the prophecies were written so the Roman typecast fits so much with America now again pre-trib dispensationalists and others have always interpreted that the Antichrist will come out of Europe. Everybody says that. But ladies and gentlemen, those are all theories. No one knows for sure. They don't. This is why the Bible says we have to watch and pray. That's where the secret to knowing these things about the end time lies. Not in the doctrines. Not in the commentaries. You have to watch and pray. Ladies and gentlemen, things could be happening right in front of our eyes and we don't see it because the prevailing traditional doctrines that are favorite points us in another direction. Now I'm not saying I can't say that Jerry Kushner is the Antichrist. I can't say that. But what I can say boy came out of nowhere. He's the fixer. That's what he does. He solves problems. That's why he's working with COVID-19. That's why he's in the Middle East. That's why he goes around the world solving problems behind the scenes. We don't even we don't even know half the things he does. No political experience, no nothing. Out of nowhere. Next thing you know, he has introduced internationally on the world stage as being the keynote speaker when America moved its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That's when Jared waved his hand. He is an extreme power broker behind the Trump administration. Even the staff members complain about him because his access and his power and influence is uncanny even though he does not have the clearance. But he got in. He's working the thing. American Jew working on the Israeli treaty from a nation who could be considered as New Rome. And it just so happens, just so happens, not just, just so happens, their headquarter building is six 
1-800-633-6666. Now, ladies and gentlemen, watch as well as pray. Check out the Netflix uh, documentary on him. I think it's called Slumdog Millionaire. A slumdog billionaire, something like that. It's a documentary on Jerry Kushner. Listen, I hope you've enjoyed this session of Revelation Revolution. Share this, ladies and gentlemen. Share it. We have to understand the one phrase watch as well as pray. But not only this. COVID-19, the things we see around the world, this is just the beginning of sorrows and a dress rehearsal for the apocalypse. I'm Dr. Dennis James Woods. You have just joined the Revelation Revolution. See you next time.